welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 121 for Saturday the 6th of October 2018 and it being the first week of October in this episode I'm going to be going through my quarter four goals and I have put photographs of my planning boards on the show notes for this week so if you head over to selfpublishingjourneys.com when I get to the quarter four goals you'll be able to follow it through by looking at the pictures as I'm reading through it and just talking you through what's going on. Let's go to some general news first of all though and I wanted to give you some free booksy results because I had a, a free booksy pro last week. So the books I was promoting were Don't Tell Meg book one and The Grid book one. And the reason I wanted to do The Grid book one was just to give it some ahead of steam, if you want, in, in Amazon and the various charts. So that when we get to my book bub, which is next week, it's already got a head start. We're not, we're not promoting from a standing start. But as far as Don't Tell Meg is concerned, it's really just keeping the impetus going from the previous book bub that I had, because I'm constantly seeing my, my best sellers at the moment are book two book three and the, the the two pack of books from the don't tell meg series so the after a shock if you want of the book bub on don't tell meg is continuing and i'm just trying to get ahead of steam on that with the grid one now very frustratingly you'll know that i've been having problems with amazon with the grid and so it, it has had an impact on the numbers but if i just let you know how many free books were claimed in those free boxes last week and this is for the three days so it's the day of the promo the day after and the day after that so just to give you an idea then don't tell meg i got rid of 1220 books and then the the grid fall of justice book one i got rid of 849 books now i've had this persistent problem with amazon which i'll go into in a little bit more detail later but the grid one has only been for free on amazon.com. It was not free in the UK or elsewhere. Uh, as I say, I'll have a rant about that later. But I think the discrepancy between the, the numbers of free downloads is basically because Don't Tell Meg was available everywhere and the grid was only available in the US. So you've got 1,220 against 800. So it's about two thirds of what I got for Don't Tell Meg for the grid. Um, so that's extremely frustrating. It didn't seem to bring in a penalty from free booksy. So I did think they'd have a rant at me and say, why wasn't this available everywhere? But uh, I don't know how free booksy works, whether they actually just send it to uh, amazon.com. And then if people need to go to a different um, Amazon marketplace, they maybe just click over to that. I don't know how that, that works, but there was no kickback from free booksy, the fact that it wasn't internationally available. Now, seeing this, I was straight onto Amazon, of course. Now, um, I'm, it's interesting about free booksy. And I, I also listened back to some of my old diaries, really, because there was a time, and I'm sure these numbers are the same as they used to be, but I'm sure that's all I used to get downloaded when I, I tried free booksy in the past. But maybe your expectations change when you get a book bub and you're downloading, you know, is it, what is it, 25,000, something like that? Um, over that kind of time period, maybe my, maybe my expectations have just gone up, but I haven't really been excited about the, the free boxes recently. Now, of course, from a sales and marketing point of view, that's 2000 books into people's hands. Each of those books is the beginning of a trilogy. And so I stand to make money from both those trilogies. And if you look at my sales for 
this week or the last this this month. It's only been a short month so far. But what you'll see is that the the best sellers as um what's it called book book report is that the better software we use? Yeah, book report. Book report tells me that my top earners are and this is what I would expect after a promo. My top earners are currently the Murder Place, the Forgotten Children, which are the follow-on books from Don't Tell Meg. The Grid 2 and The Grid 3. And then, of course, I've told you this before, um, MailChimp Unboxed, which is my MailChimp paperback book. That is also in my top earners. Now, I've taken that MailChimp book out of CreateSpace now, and it's actually in my KDP interface because I've moved all my paperbacks over from CreateSpace. I have nothing on CreateSpace now. So that's what I would expect. It reflects the promotions that I'm doing, but it also reflects the fact that that MailChimp unboxed book uh, sells itself at the moment. As I, as I said to you, in paperback form, I don't even make it available as an ebook. I just sell it as a paperback. So it's a good little learner that that MailChimp unboxed book. Um, so as I say, I don't know whether that's just me being had my expectations changed by BookBubs, but that those numbers didn't massively excite me. But I do know that what it will do is a um, certain number of people will never look at that book. They'll just load up their e-reader and never touch it. And then um, a certain segment of people will read that book. And then some of them will like it. Some of them will hate it. The ones who like it will go on and buy the other books. And that's where I make my money from that promotion. So um, really too early days to, to say about that yet. But, uh, you know, the, the, the income is continuing to come in. And those top earners are what I would expect them to be, bearing in mind I have done promotions on them. So that that's a report back from the, the free booksy, but I'm I'm kind of less I've been less than excited the last couple of times I've done free boxes. Um but do make allowances for that. That that might just be, be as you kind of move through self-publishing you, you you every now and then you step up a rung and having now had experience of book bubs a free books he feels like it's nothing at all but I know it used to feel like it was an awful lot and it used to make a big difference to my income which was you know nothing it was absolutely virtually nothing so um, don't, that's not me knocking free boxes I'm trying to give you some context there um, I still rate free booksy as the poor person's book bub and if you can't get a book bub you should definitely look at free boxes you I think you get a good bang for your your buck with free booksy still the other thing that finished this week is that I had two free promos running on an insta freebie which is now called prolific works he says having to struggle to remember what it's called and book funnel so um, I just wanted to give you the final tallies on those. The Prolific Works stroke Insta Freebie promo brought in a total of 185 plus 171 claims. And Book Funnel, we've got 361 plus 560. So Book Funnel was far more effective than Insta Freebie Prolific Works, which is, you know, kind of what I've been telling you, I think, the past few weeks. I do think that uh, Book Funnel stole in a march on Insta Freebie. I used to rate Insta Freebie more highly. I used to do better on Insta Freebie, but I, I think possibly Insta Freebie feels like it's, and this is maybe why they're rebranding actually. It felt like it went down the more tacky end of the market. Um, so some of the promos on there, they're not brilliant. And a lot of this actually, I, I'm going to start getting a bit bullshy with this because I noticed, uh, romance gets everywhere and people, um, I don't know why romance readers do it, but it really annoys me in the, in the science fiction charts on, on Apple iBooks, because I've been checking the grid to see whether that's ranking. It's full of blooming bare chests with six packs. And I mean, you know, we've all got six packs. Once you see one, you see them all. But um, I, I just think, why? who's collating this stuff? Who Who isn't knocking these out? Because this clearly is not science fiction by any definition of the word. But it's the same with these giveaways. Um, and this is about running a giveaway is a bit like running a pub. 
who you let in determines what kind of atmosphere there is in the pub. And it's the same with the giveaway. So if you say, and most of them do say, no erotica, no romance, then be strict about that and say no to people. So you need to be on a blooming romance one. Um, you know, I don't want these six pack guys on a, on a sci-fi giveaway because, because all that does is, is you promote it to sci-fi readers. They'll take one look at it like I do and think that's not sci-fi and off they go. And I, I really don't understand how anybody gets anything out of that. Um, you know, as a, as a romance reader, you're promoting in the wrong genre. And presumably they do it because romance is so competitive. It means they can get on charts, but it just, from, from Amazon's and iBooks point of view, they need to be right on top of this stuff and they need to just blow it out of the water and either, um, you know, put the books in some kind of suspension and say, please recategorize this or we'll delist it, something like that. But, um, it, it, I think it serves nobody when you muddy the waters, when you, you put all the wrong books in the wrong categories. It just messes everything up um, for everybody. So anyway, there's a little bit of a, a side rant there about that. But I was just looking at one of the book funnel things I'm in, and I thought, you know, I'm going to withdraw from this because this is not doing my book a service with all, you know, surrounded by guys with six packs. That's, it's just not where I want my book. So I'm not, I'm going to delist it. I do find uh, book funnel to be higher quality um the the insta freebie and i sort of see poorer quality covers in general on the insta freebie giveaways but that's just my my personal view it, it, it is and it still remains a great way of building your list and finding focused readers so again you know this is not me sort of ranting and and, and dissing insta freebie and book funnel it's really just make, me making some sort of observations and comments about it i'm still going to use them because they're the best channels at the moment they're the best channels to build those mailing lists been very busy this week uh, doing interviews and for the podcast. So on Monday, I was speaking to John Evans. John is a listener to this program, and I met him at 20 Books to 50K. Uh, John co-writes with his brother, but he's got a really good story, and I highly recommend you listen to this. And thank you, John, for sending me the information about Amazon ads in the UK. But John and his brother, effectively, are making um, a good living. So they're making about... £2,800, £2,500, that, that kind of level of income, um, reliably monthly now. Now, I don't know about you, but that would do me fine if I could do that every month. Um, John's having to split it with his brother, but they're, um, he has low living expenses, so it suits him. And he very soon will be able to just um, continue uh, to, to write all the time and not have to think about uh, any kind of work uh, other than writing, of course. So um, I, I think that's very compelling because I, I keep going back to it. You know, we don't need to be millionaires. We just most of us just need to make a reasonable amount of money to free us up to write full time. And John and his brother are making that money. And I wanted to dig into how he did that. And we'll share that in the interview, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, on Tuesday, I did a webinar. Uh, this was a corporate webinar. It wasn't one that's open uh, to everybody, but it was a webinar on the new Gutenberg system for MailChimp. So this was um, through my kind of day job, if you want. And I uh, did that webinar on Tuesday evening. It was really just introducing people to to what that interface is going to look like. And, um, you know, I can tell you that I, I still don't feel very positive. I try to be positive about it, but I don't like that Gutenberg interface at all. And... Uh, it doesn't really work for me at all. And uh, certainly a lot of the people on the webinar weren't very excited by it. So we're just going to have to wait and see. The jury's out on that one. On Wednesday evening, I was interviewing Jonathan de Montfort. Now, Jonathan de Montfort is very, very interesting. I don't know whether you've heard of de Montfort literature. If you go to the Alliance of Independent Authors 
And if you do a search for it, you'll see it's quite controversial. Um, Jonathan uh, used to work in banking. So he worked, uh, I think his last job was at Goldman Sachs. And then he sets up his own hedge fund. And um, he's always wanted to write. And so he's written his own book. And he's going to launch that on October the 22nd. But uh, to, to kind of convey and express that love of writing and love of literature, he's created De Montfort Literature, which is going to pay writers uh, £24,000 a year. So, um, and, and then it will coach them. They'll do the covers, the marketing. There'll be writing coaches and editors there. So all, you get kind of all that built in. And then when the books start to sell, clearly your royalties pay off that. And then you go 50-50 on the royalties. Now, it's been very, very controversial um, in certain circles. And I, I can't remember when I first read about it, but I, I read about it online. Thought, That's really interesting. That's a really disruptive publishing model. And you know I like new stuff. And so um, I wanted to get Jonathan on to talk to him about it. And it's quite remarkable, actually, because loads of people have written articles about it, uh, saying, oh, this is wrong and that's wrong and we don't like this. But I said to Jonathan, has anybody actually got you on and had a chat to you? And no one has. So uh, I am the first. So people have done, you've had people like the bookseller. Um, so people who are not necessarily kind of pushing it, you know, from a, a journalistic point of view, if you want. Um, you, you know, it's just saying, what is it? How does it work? But um, it was a very, very interesting interview. And that's coming up on October the 22nd. So I was doing those interviews this week. Last weekend, I went to Morecambe, Morecambe and Vice, which was a, a, a kind of crime and thriller festival. And it was held in the Winter Gardens in Morecambe. And I lived around Lancaster for years. I used to teach around there. And uh, as students, we used to go to Morecambe and it had one of these you know, pleasure uh, grounds, what, these fun fairs, you know, big fun fair. They used to call it Frontierland. And we used to go there as our student treat. We used to get um, free ride tickets and save them up and go there every summer and have a great time. Um, I thought it was looking a bit more run down than I remember it when I was there. And interestingly, in all that time I lived in that area, I had never been in the Winter Gardens. It was really nice to see inside the Winter Gardens, which is basically uh, a really old-fashioned traditional theatre. And judging from the photos, I think um, Morecambe and Wise, who are a very much-loved UK kind of comedy duo, I think they must have performed there uh, too. So it's got lots of historic value. But um, I kind of got there I got there fairly late. Uh, I say fairly late, about 11 o'clock in the morning, because I, I took my time. It was, it, it was the weekend. It's about an hour drive from where I am. And uh, I kind of rolled up. And, and <laughs> that morning, I, I'm very uh, very naughty. When I book hotels and things and travel plans, I usually have a quick look. I don't really look in any detail. And I think, oh, I'll be all right. I'll book that. And I, and I don't really think about it until the night before. I, I Everything gets booked. It goes in the diary, all the tickets and everything. And I, I look I look the day the day before. And I was sitting at breakfast on the Saturday morning, um, just Look, I don't know what made me do it, looking at the reviews for the hotel I'd booked. And from the picture and everything, I thought, oh, it's just a standard Morecambe hotel. It'll be fine. Uh, but when I was looking at the reviews, there were like people sort of saying, you know, seen better days, tears in carpet, blood on the door, um, all sorts of stuff. And I thought, all oh, right, OK, uh, I'm not so keen now on this place. And then I went to the um, festival and um, much as the... The venue, the location was fabulous and it, it, it had seen better days, to be honest with you. And because it was such a, a large space and it looked, I think the, the seats, the theatre seats, I think must have been pulled out. So we had mobile seating in there and I just really couldn't hear what was being said. Now I've had my ears tested because my wife made me have my ears tested because I like the telly loud. And she said, you must be deaf. I said, I'm not deaf. I just like the telly loud. I like to hear, you know, so we, we went through this and I had my ears tested. So I am officially don't have hearing problems. Um, and that's official. So 
you know, a man's told me so. It was a lady who told me so, but you know, I've got an official certificate to say that, but I couldn't hear it. And, um, you know, I couldn't hear the voices with clarity because I felt that they got lost in the, in this vast expanse of this theatre. But the, the, the other thing was, uh, do you remember I, I went to Crime Fest? There's absolutely nothing. You know, I, I, I do not want to be put, don't think I'm putting these down, but they're not for me. That, that's what I'm saying. So, um, there was nothing wrong with Crime Fest at all. But my feeling when I went to Crime Fest in Bristol earlier this year was that this is a, this is an event for readers. It didn't feel like it was a, an event for writers to present at and for those writers who were presenting to, to mingle and chat and network and things like that. And they were, traditional most of them were traditional I felt that this event was the same they were mostly traditional authors it was really an event that was of huge interest for readers um, but for writers unless you were one of the writers again predominantly traditional who were appearing on stage not a lot in it for you so I have to say that I disappeared I, I came back home and got a day's work done on the Sunday now this is not to say anything about the event it just I've kind of I made a policy decision I came back and said to my wife I'll, I'll come in home um, but I You'll also remember if you've listened to this diaries for a little bit of time, when I went to 20 books to 50k, I came back with the strongest sense I've ever had that these are my people. This is my group. These are the, these are authors who are trying to do what I do. And, and so I, I made a, an executive decision while I was there that I'm not going to go to these, um, you know, write, writer panel things anymore because it's really just not what I'm interested. I would, you know, I'd appear in one, but I don't really, I don't want to go in one to be in the audience. Um, I don't really know any of the authors because they're all traditional. Whereas when I go to an indie thing, I know loads of the authors. Um, and so I just sort of felt that it wasn't the best use of my time. I came back and got a really good day's work done on the Sunday. So I am going to go to 20 books in Edinburgh next year. But the kind of people, the kind of authors I want to talk to, you know, people who are doing the work, they're doing the writing, they do all the marketing and stuff themselves, you know, people have really learn from because I don't really want to talk about, you know, I read the books I want to read reading a great crime book at the moment. Um, and I, and, and clearly there are authors I would love to see speak. So I go and see authors I'd love to see speak, uh, as a reader, but as a writer, there wasn't a lot, there isn't a lot in these events for me. And I, I, I wanted to try them because this one was on my doorstep. Uh, uh, crime fest is, is big. And I know Harrogate's big as well, but, but you know, they're really not not what I want at the moment. Um, it doesn't feel like the best use of my time. I'm going to prioritize indie events because I think that's where my interest lies. When I look at the notes I came back with from 20 books of 50k and the learning that I got and the networking that I got from that, you know, that's exactly where I feel I need to be. And it costs a lot of money to book a hotel with blood on the banisters and tears in the carpets. Um, so, you know, these things all cost. So I think in terms of priorities, executive decision, I'm going to indie events. For the, for the foreseeable future. I'm not going to book into these events or try any more of these kind of reader oriented events, events anymore. I uh, just wanted to say something extra about Amazon. I've been having a right old time with Amazon. So, um, I'm going to give you an email address in a moment or two because I was talking to on, online to another writer on Twitter who sent me a message to say, you know, you're sharing my pain with, with, with Amazon. There is an email address that you can you could email if you're having one of these like oh for goodness sake and tearing your hair out kind of experiences and you know when you just can't get through to somebody you're just not communicating to the person on the help desk then there is a an email address that you can write to and and please use this superpower sparingly don't just don't send everything to this email address because they'll change it 
but send your big problems to this email address. And the email address is Jeff. Jeff so this is Jeff Bezos. So J-E-F-F, Jeff at Amazon.com. And when you send an email there, don't don't rant, just kind of articulate the problem and how it's not being solved. It's when you need to escalate something to somebody more senior. And where this goes, I mean, it, I don't think for one minute it doesn't go straight to Jeff Bezos. It'll go to his PA or it goes to somebody very senior. Let's put it this way, because you always get an agitated message back from somebody very senior who's very anxious, you know, to resolve this issue. So I do think it creates up, downwards pressure on people. This is why I say use this with care. Don't just do it for something daft, um, you know, like, oh, I, I changed a spelling mistake and it hasn't been changed in five minutes. You know, save it, keep your powder dry, save it for your big stuff. But I did uh, rant because I've got this book burp and I need it to be, I need the grid one to be internationally free and it's not and it's frustrating the life out of me that they, they won't fix this. So anyway, I had a rant and somebody got back to me and then she said, "Can you send me some links to, you know, to show it's it's free elsewhere?" Which I've already done, by the way. And, and then, frustratingly, when I replied to the email, it returned it and said, "This is not an, an address you could email to." So I went back to Jeff again and said, "Look, I'm trying to com- communicate with this lady. Here's the answer she wants. Please forward it." But she's give, she hasn't given me an address I can reply to her on. And so I've done that, and I was checking again today, and one or two of the international marketplaces have got it free now but not all the ones i need for the book bub so i've written to that jeff at amazon again to say look this has cost me 300 quid i need some attention on this you know i need these marketplaces to be free but geez honestly talk about excruciating um and the this is one of the penalties of being wide you know there's it's I know people say about going wide, but I tell you, it's a lot easier to be on KDP Select. It's a lot easier from your payment point of view. You know what you're getting paid. Um, because my new routine now is going through draft the digital, publish drive. I have to still go to Google Play because I've got residual money coming back from there, going into Amazon, going into Kobo, and then figuring out roughly what you think your earnings are going to be for the month. Whereas if you're just in KDP Select, if you're exclusive on Amazon, not only can you get the timing of these promos correct um you know you could you could also work out how much money you're going to get paid so whew, I, you know i don't I, the jury's out on this one <laughs> the jury's out you know i i know what everybody says about you should spread the load you shouldn't make sure you're, you're all into amazon exclusive but there is a part of me that thinks you know i might just put I might put some of the books in exclusive because it's simpler. I just don't know whether I get a book bub again if 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 I if I went exclusive. Um but I might I might try putting Don't Tell Meg back exclusive because again you get the page reads, you see. Oh, I don't like those page reads and I'm missing the page reads at the moment. So who knows? But I've found it very frustrating this experience of uh there are new let's put it this way they're new frustrations uh, i guess of getting getting used to a different situation so so the other thing that's frustrating is 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 published drive and, and again i i need to apportion the blame where the blame is due it's the blame is not due to published drive so when i um something i learned in published drive i need to share this with you is when you list in published drive i think you have it's something like i think you have pounds euros and dollars and you can change your pricing. And there's a button there that says, um, I can't remember what the wording is that it uses. It's, it, it's basically, I'll make a pretty price. It's something like that. Pretty price, they call it. And, and I clicked pretty price, assuming that it would just make everything zero. Didn't check. 
Um, and when I went into Publish Drive and I was trying to sort of think, you know, what are Amazon? What's the problem here? Why aren't Amazon doing this price match? I went into Publish Drive and found that when I opened up, there's loads of territories in Publish Drive, loads of territories, um, that it had, that this pretty price thing had, had not made it pretty. They they still had prices on them. So I thought, right, okay, maybe this is the issue with Amazon, with the territories. So I went into Publish Drive. I changed, manually changed every single price to zero and saved it. That goes straight through Publish Drive, but it takes Google Drive forever to sort it out. And then the other thing that happened this week is I, I, when I was in Google Play, um, I was thinking, Joy, I ought to have been paid by Google Play and Coba, and I haven't been paid by them yet. So I was investigating the payments. I was, sorry, I was also investing. Yes, I was, that's what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I'm set up on Publish Drive. They're, they're ready to pay me, but I was just thinking I haven't been paid by Coba and I haven't been paid by, by Google Play. So, you know, being wide gives you all these extra things to have to chase. So I went into Kobo earlier in the week and I got the wrong bank account on Kobo. So that's my fault. I contacted Kobo support. They were very good. I said, um, you know, it's probably, I don't know where it's gone. It's gone to a different account. Um, oh, I know what it was. I think I must have been limited the first time I was on COVID because it was a Santander bank account. But I think that must have been my limited bank account because I was trying to work out what, why is that a Santander account, which is what I've got now, but it's the wrong number. And I, I've just realized what it is. It's because I was limited before when I was last on Kobo. So it's got the wrong bank account number. So I said to them, but well, I haven't seen this money yet. Um, uh, what will happen to it? They said, oh, it'll get returned and then we'll, we'll send it to you if you've got the right banking details. So that was Kobo sorted out. And then I went to Google Play. And then I don't know whether, if you're a really long time listener, you'll know that I never thought I'd made any sales on Google Play when I was in there, you know, year, year or so ago, first time around, whenever it was, I was in it. And then I, I don't know what made me look one day and I found I got something like, you know, 60, 70 quid in there. And, um, and the reason I hadn't been paid it was because, um, I hadn't set up a bank account on my Google Play account. Well, I was investigating again today. Oh, honestly, the Google Play interface is appalling. Um, the, the reason that I, I didn't know that I hadn't been paid, I was thinking, why didn't they email me and just tell me that the payment's been rejected or, you know, there's something wrong with the account? You've actually got to set in Google Play. I've just done it this afternoon. You have to set up, you know, rather than it just be the obvious thing, right? I, I log into Google Play. If there's a problem, email me. You have to separately set up an email to, to get notifications for that account. You think, oh, for goodness sake, you know, take me out and push me off a cliff. Um, it's the 21st century, for goodness sake. You know, it's it's the cronkiest, rubbish, rubbish most rubbish <laughs> interface that um, that you've ever seen for this stuff, which is why I recommend, you know, Publish Drive. But again, the problem with Publish Drive is you still get stuck at Google Play because the books go straight through Publish Drive. No problem with Publish Drive at all. That's all taken care of. They They kind of push them to live and then it just hangs there for several days waiting for Google Play to get their act together. So I can only assume that like Google Play is some 90s coder who does everything by him or herself because that's what it feels like. Anyhow, um, the, the, the delay with Google Pay was that I hadn't got my tax stuff, my American tax withholding documents up to date. And because I hadn't got this stupid notifications thing set up, no one had told me. I hadn't got an email to tell me that there was a problem on the account. So I've done that now and I should get paid by Google Pay. But um, I just wanted to give you this sort of, um, you could probably sense my frustration, but I wanted to give you this insight into, you know, the joys of, of being wide that um, you've got the Amazon, any issues you have on Amazon, you've got them five times over. Now these granted are teething problems because I haven't been using these channels for a while and now we're getting paid through them again and i'm just making sure the payments are coming through but there's more payments to watch now i used to call it amazon payday you know all the money would come in on the same day now you've got bits and bobs coming in all through through the month now i'm not complaining about that 
because I always like having money in. But um, it does come with, you know, additional annoyances and initial pains when you are listed wide. Anyhow, enough of that. Um, this week, now, I, if you live in the Northeast, which is my part of the world, just let me know if you're interested in this, because I, I sent a couple of personal emails out to people, just trying to think who, who, I've, who I know um, who's in the Northeast. So if you are in the Northeast and I haven't got this to you, just drop me a line. I'll, I'll send you the link if you can't find it. But there's something called Writer's Block Northeast, which is a, a, a writing, a very high, heavily subsidised writing project, which is taking place. And it's based in Middlesbrough. So so the, the bottom line is you've got to be able to get to Middlesbrough once a month. But this is a, you pay a hundred pounds for it over the year, but it, it's very heavily uh, subsidized. But effectively, uh, it, it's, it's kind of like support with agents and, and editors to write a book over the course of the year. And, you know, and, and it was the agents bit of the editors I'm interested in. And, and I, I looked at this and thought, oh, that's a really good way for me to write my, uh, literary kind of sci-fi book because, I said to you a couple of weeks ago, I don't really feel I've got the writing talent to be able to do that. I feel like I need that kind of you know, a bit of coaching with this. I need somebody to talk me through it so it doesn't become, you know, a bit crass and basic. So um, I've applied for this. I've put my application in. I've pitched that book. Um, and I just wanted to let you know about it because there's not an awful lot going on in the Northeast. We need to grab it while it's here. This It does involve two hours traveling for me. That's what we call closer to the North. Um, but uh, I got to travel over to Middlesbrough. I used to work there when I was at the BBC. I used to drive over there and see the web team. So I know I can do it there and back in a day uh, fairly painlessly. So um, Writer's Block Northeast, you'll find it if you do a search online, but the it needs to be in. I hope I haven't told you too late. When does it need to be in? Imminently. I'll have it on my planning form somewhere. Where is it? Oh, I can't find it now. I, don't, I think it's still going. I'm sure it's still going. But just let me know if you're listening to this on the Saturday that this comes out and you're interested. You know, you're gonna have to act fast. Don't, don't, don't hang on to it. It's a fairly easy uh, pitch to make. It's fairly. You, all you have to do is you have to do. Um, what do you have to do? You have to send them so many words from a book that you've already written, and it's not very many words. It's just. It's almost like a, you know, a thousand and a half, something like that. It's not a lot. Just a taster of your writing, and then you have to tell them what your book pitch is. That's pretty well it. Um, and you don't even tell them your name because it's, it's done. You know, they, they're doing it on the basis of the application. They're not doing it on name or how many books you've written or what your experiences or anything. So just let me know if that's of interest to you, but you, you've got to be in the Northeast. You've got to be able to get to Middlesbrough once a month, effectively. I had, uh, I got to, I got to thank and blame Queeve McDonald for this. Uh, Queeve, when I was, um, tearing my ha- hair out about how bad I am at email marketing, and thinking that I might stop it. Queeve sent me a brilliant email saying that he'd been doing very personalised emails and that these were working really well. He knew they were working well for other authors. And uh, this must be some time ago. I'm sure I've been doing these all year now. And so I thought, you know, actually that makes a lot of sense. And what I, I find more and more with this lark, this working for yourself lark, is you've got to find your flow. This diary is my flow. I love doing this diary. I have no trouble with this at all. Um, whereas if you asked me to blog it, I, I wouldn't do it. There's no way when I blog this because I can't be bothered, but I actually really love recording this. Uh, it's not a problem for me at all. So you've got to find your flow. And I've, I really feel like I found my flow with the emails now, um, following sort of Queeb's advice. Now, when I was writing the email, I always send it on the last Sunday of the month. 
And I've just had great responses. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, email marketing. And since I've been doing this format of email where you, 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 you tell people about your life, what's going on in your life and what you're reading, what you, what you're watching on telly, just a much more personal email, not flogging books all the time. It's just worked way better. I've had some brilliant responses. And just before I sent the email the other day, just before I finished writing it and scheduling it, I just thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll ask a question. I'm going to ask people about UK and USA English. Um, should I should I write my books? Because I've got 70 plus percent of my readers live in the US um, or buy in the US. Should I be writing my books in US English or UK English? I just put a little throw, throwaway question on this. And oh my goodness, I've had loads of responses from it this week. It's, I've been, I mean, it's taken me about three hours to respond because I've, I've responded to every every one of them. Um, and, and, and by the way, you know, what I've, I've responded with a template and then usually just put a little personal comment on depending on what they said. Um, you know, so it, it's taken me a long time to respond to all of these, but wow, what brilliant responses I had. Um, I, it's the best ever response I've had to an email. So I'm really getting on with this personalized email lark. Um, and, and I wouldn't ask a question, you know, in social media, I think it was about a year or so ago, some bright spark said, um, you know, the advice went out. If you want to engage people on social media, you need to ask them questions. And then people went through these ridiculous questions like, hey, um, you know, just curious, what's your favourite colour? Purple, black or blue? And, and you've got all these, oh, for God's sake, you know, again, take me out and push me over a cliff, please. Uh, all these kind of crass attempts at trying to engage an audience. So um, when I'm asking questions, you know, I'm trying to make them pertinence and actually something that I'm interested in knowing. I think I've done it two or three times now, but why it works really well. I wouldn't do it every month either, but this one just kind of came to me in a flash and I had some brilliant answers. And and just to sort of put you out your misery, but I I quite like to turn this into a blog post, but you know, don't hold your breath. God knows when that will get done, but I would quite like to turn it into a blog post because I think it's so informative. The answers I've got just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant answers, really good quality answers from people, uh, really well thought out. Um, but basically, most people said, uh, write in UK English, it's your authentic voice, write, write the way you talk. Um, and, you know, we're, we're uh, it, basically it said, oh, some people from the USA sort of expect everybody to do everything the way they do it. But actually, as a reader, you know, I learn new stuff when, when I read UK English. But it was very, very, very predominantly um, write in UK English. And that made me think because I was going to switch to US English. And uh, the reason the reason for that is I had a reviewer who sort of said, you know, I love reading your books. It was a beta reviewer. I really love the books, but sometimes I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. And that's because I'd used very English phrases. And, um, you know, somebody suggested maybe putting a glossary at the back. Oh, and I got a brilliant email. I got the best email ever. I'm going to have to put I have to put an advisory on this. Let's see if I could work around it. I got the best email ever from a lady who who said that I taught her reading my books. It must be Don't Tell Megathing. I can't remember where I used it. But um, I felt like the cultural attache for the UK because I taught her how to, to say U-W-K-E-R, that word, U-W. You, you know the one I mean? Okay, you may have kids with you or anything like that, but the W word, and um, which I'd used in the books. I probably I use it quite a lot probably. And um, I had taught her that, and she'd started using it. So my gift to the world as an author is teaching somebody in the US um, how to swear, which I thought was just hilarious. So um, that, that was just a great email. It was very funny. She's learned a load of swear words off me. So um, <laughs> I should be ashamed, shouldn't I, as a writer? I'll, I'll never be a Shakespeare. So um, that made me laugh anyway, but predominantly UK English. 
was the message. I will, I'll try and turn it into a blog because it's just such good information. Um, but I don't know when I'm going to get around to it because I've got too many things on, as you will have too. I just wanted to big up uh, Patrick Sheriff's latest publishing video. Um, Patrick was a former guest on this show. If you do a search for him, you'll, you'll find his podcast. Patrick lives in Japan. And um, so, again, you know, from that kind of Japanese cultural perspective, very interesting interview that we did. In fact, we did it uh, Christmas last year, but coming around to the year anniversary of that, Patrick. But Patrick does these, um, I think it's one a month, as far as I can tell, Patrick. They're, they're occasional publishing videos, and um, I do sort of recommend them to you. They're, they're, um, they're much like this diary really it's patrick just talking to the screen um but um i also get a mention by the way as being anally dis- retentive um so i'm officially anally retentive um on this video but so i get a shout out on patrick's video but um i do enjoy these videos you know it's just it's their musings about writing and um they're one a month and i've subscribed to the feed and they you know they pop up in my feed and um, i always enjoy listening to them so thanks for recording those patrick i've put the video link um on the resources page itself publishingjourneys.com and you can hear the anally retentive mention as well if you watch the video i can't remember where it comes in it comes in towards the end i'll have the lawyers uh look at it patrick <laughs> no i am anally retentive uh, uh, you were bang on there and, and you'll find out more about that as i go into my quarter four goals right now so what uh, patrick was referring to in that description is how i have all my goals on a whiteboard you know i plan everything down in meticulous detail but remember my catchphrase the things that get scheduled get done, and they certainly do. So um, let me go through my quarter four goals. So these are my my broad goals for October, November, and December. And I've put a picture, a photograph of my planning boards on the show notes page for this at selfpublishingjourneys.com. So what I would always recommend is always best if you go to that page and have a look and then just read along with me because it'll make more sense. Okay, so quarter four goals this year. The the big thing that I said to you is is that I'm not going to write in this quarter. Uh, that's that feels like quite a big decision because I'm re- I'm kind of itching to write. I, I I'm you know I'm getting withdrawal symptoms. I'm going cold turkey. I am itching to write. But when I this is why I find this review process so interesting. I'm I'm going to plan to write. I'm, I I since I took that time off in summer and I'm doing all these marketingy jobs. Uh, I'm getting uh, an immense and immediate sense of the value of what I'm doing with this work and and, and in terms of the income uh, as well. Um, There's a direct correlation to, you know, where I put my focus is where I'm getting my results, which is what I was saying to you last week. So I'm going to continue to put my focus on marketing. Now, very much what I'm doing when I started writing, I I started with 5,000 words for a competition, then realized I had to write a book, which was The Secret Bunker, and then thought, oh, there's two more stories here. So I wrote two more stories. There was no great plan when I started writing. And because I've now got um, 14 fiction books out and then, you know, one waiting to be edited, I just thought, um, you know, I this is really good time for me to take time out to just get everything right, knowing what I know now, and then I'll move on and carry on writing and, and carry on in that kind of, in a more formatted, templated way. Now I know much more uh, about this malarkey, this selling books and writing books malarkey. So although I'm itching to write, and I, I kind of got that guilt feeling at not writing, I think it's really important at this moment in time for me to focus on, on just finishing off this marketing work. And then when I start in the new year writing again, everything's kind of hunky-dory. I've got all these things sorted. My my house is tidy. I'm, you know, my house is in order. And then I can just carry on banging the books out again. So you know, it's hard to stop writing, but that's what I'm going to do. So there's no writing in this quarter. 
um, there will be some editing. So in terms of goals, then, um, a lot of them are podcast related. So I'm going to be recording and publishing episodes uh, 124 through to 131 of the guest interviews. I'm pretty resolved right now that I'm going to go to one interview episode a month from uh, December. Uh, it, it's just made, I mean, look, just look at this week as an example. Um, Monday evening, you know, after a day at work, uh, recording an interview. Uh, Tuesday, doing a webinar um, for work. Uh, Wednesday, recording an interview. Thursday, doing the crypto podcast. Today, doing the, the diary podcast. You know, I'm supposed to be a writer. Th- that's just so much recording. And then I've also got to edit um, this doesn't get edited, but the, the guest interviews do get edited. They, you know, they all need kind of processing and planning. So it, it, it you know, it, not, not having recorded those w- weekly interviews over summer has just made me realize how much time they take and doing them again now has just made me realize how much time they take. So I think, I think I am, you know, it's all subject to review. I'll tie it down. Um, when I get to the end of quarter four, so you'll get my, you're going to get my quarter four, uh, stuff and quarter one for 2019 goals. I, I will be doing those before I go to Spain. You'll hear them at the normal time because I'll record them before I go. But I'm going to make, you know, I'll de- make that final decision in December about whether these, but I'm pretty sure that's the way it's going to go to just monthly interviews, but weekly diaries. So crypto news podcast, I'm going to be recording episodes 59 through to episode 73 in this quarter. And then Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 121 through to episode 135. So, you know, I'm supposed to be a writer. That's a lot of podcast episodes, a lot of editing and a lot of processing. Now, um, you know, this diary I love. Um, it's actually part of my process writing this diary now. So this, as I said to you last week, this diary continues until I, I stop writing or, or something significant changes. Um, the Crypto Podcast we're very keen to keep that going. Uh, again, it just doesn't take a massive amount of time, the crypto podcast. Um, it's the way I've formatted it is fairly quick to prepare like this one is. Um, and we don't mess around with editing or anything like that. Um, so I think with the crypto one, we want to wait until the cryptos go up. We want to make sure we've got the podcast running when things are very buoyant in crypto land. They'd be very, uh, very dull and boring uh, this year, but we want to make sure we hit it when it's high, uh, just to see what there is to play for. So I, I, I think what will drop off the edge is the weekly, um, guest interviews. I think they'll go to monthly. That's, that's my view. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to hold to that. Number four on my list is marketing work. I'll go through that separately because I've put that on a separate section of my whiteboard. So these are the remaining marketing jobs I need to do. I've got some personal stuff in there. So we're going to spend Christmas and New Year in Spain, which I've told you about. We're going to be out there for three weeks or something like that, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, We've got all the accommodation and flights sorted out now. So that's, you know, it's in the diary. The leave's booked. We're going. So I can't wait for that. Uh, and I'm not going to work in while I'm out there, by the way. So I'm just going to be enjoying myself and immersing myself in Spanish life. Um, tomorrow, unless, yeah, it should, should happen tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen tomorrow. Unless I sleep in or something bizarre happens in between now and then. Uh, I'm going to be doing a park run tomorrow. Now, I, I told you, I, I forgot to mention that I'm keeping the exercising up. And um, I, I met a, uh, an internet marketing pal when we were at 20 books to 50K uh, in February of this year, I met an internet marketing pal who lives just down the road. And we, on the last night, we went out for, uh, food together and had a catch up. And he's super fit. He does, uh, what are these extreme marathon things where you swim and climb up a mountain and, you know, parachute out of a plane, all these things. He does these things. 
and we were talking about that and um and i and I, I like to run every now and then i don't i'm not a serious runner but i do like to I, I, every now and then I like to do a five or a 10 K just to let myself know I, I can still do it. I'm still alive. You know, I'm still a player. So I, I, I don't do it regularly, but I do it every now and then. And I did a 10 K when we were in Spain a year or two ago, cause they were holding one. So I do, I do like to do it every now and then. And, um, he said, he told me about these things called park runs, which are basically where local parks all around the country, you could just turn up on a Saturday. Uh, we can't just turn up. You have to get a little barcode. You do have to register, but you turn up on a Saturday and you just do a 5k run in a local park with people. They give you your time. It's not competitive. Some people walk it. There's always somebody who, they always have a, like a last runner. So you never last. There's always somebody who comes up behind. And I just thought, John, that's perfect. Um, that's because I exercise during the week. Um, I thought that I'm going to just do one of these every now and then, uh, not every week, but I'm going to just do one every now and then. And, uh, just to give me sort of some structure to my exercising. So it's always aiming at something. So I'm going to do my first park run tomorrow and I'm hoping I can fit in roughly one a month before we go to Spain. So park runs tomorrow. That's a kind of healthy author thing, if you want. Um, I, I, it's always important. I think, you know, it can't all be work. So I make sure I schedule in some fun. So, um, I'm really looking forward to the Freddie Mercury film that's coming out at the cinema. I've booked my place already in the daytime. I will be going to see that the minute that's out during a daytime performance. Uh, my wife doesn't like Queen, so I shall be going by myself like I did when I went to see them in Glasgow this year. But I'm really, really looking forward as a Queen fan, you know, for years, really looking forward to that film. We're going to see the Human League in concert in Newcastle before Christmas. We got some tickets for that. Um, when I was a poor teenager, I couldn't afford to go and see them when they were around first time. So I thought, right, I'm going to go and see them. So Human League in Newcastle before Christmas. Uh, going to go visit my, um, my eldest child down at university a couple of times in between now and Christmas. And then I've also got at the moment a, uh, with my pal that I was talking to you about who, who mentioned the park runs, um, me and a, a group of internet marketers who were in a mastermind group. We, we meet every year for a Christmas dinner. So I booked to go down to London to meet those guys too. So that's, and I'm hoping if I'm really lucky, um, I'm, I'm really, really hoping, uh, that I get the night before that I've, I, I get BBC alumni emails from time to time and, and they offer you a chance to go into drawers to see, um, you know, TV shows televised for the first time in front of live audiences or, or to go and see radio shows. And, um, I've, I've tried to get some tickets for Cliff Richard, um, you know, in a sort of small informal concert. Now my dad used to play with Cliff Richard before Cliff was famous. My dad used to play in a skiffle band with Cliff Richard. And, um, we met him last year backstage at Lincoln because of that. So when he was at Lincoln Castle. So I thought, oh, I've got to go and try and see Cliff at this. So I've, I've, I've put in for some Cliff Richard tickets. So if I'm really, really lucky, when I go down for that London Christmas meal, I'll go down on the, uh, well, it's, I've got a really good, because the next thing, we've got a podcast meeting of regional podcasters. So if this works beautifully to plan, I'll, I'll leave home on the Thursday, have our regional podcasters meeting in November, which is also on my planning board. Um, jump on a train at Lancaster, go down to London, watch Cliff at night. Uh, I'll go with my older brother and then go out for food. And then the next day, get up, go for a Christmas dinner with my internet marketing pals and come back to Carlisle. Now, if that works, well, that'll be really lucky. So I've just got to keep my fingers crossed that I come out the drawer and get some Cliff Richard tickets. But um, that combines a couple of things. So as I said, you, you know, you've got to have, um, you've got to have your fun in all of this. If, uh, what do they say? What's the phrase? Too much work makes Jack or Jill a, a dull boy or girl. So, um, you know, make sure you schedule for fun as well as uh, work. So um, I, I want to plan four thrillers for 2019. 
And I do want to plan these. I'll tell you something I did at the weekend. For this um, last weekend, for this, um, what's it called? This thing that's happening in Middlesbrough, writer's block. They, they wanted a synopsis. And it's a while since I've done a synopsis. So I, so I did a, an online search for synopsis. Found a brilliant page that was on the, the Jericho Writers website. Uh, Jericho Writers used to be Writers Workshop. And it was a really good um, synopsis, uh, you know, points one to five. And I used that to write my synopsis. Found it really easy. So um, I've cut and pasted that into my into my template files so that I could, I, I could it'll just help me structure the book and I thought well it's really useful that format um I had no trouble writing the synopsis for this book at all so I'm going to write four synopses and planning notes for four thrillers to write next year so my basic writing plan at the moment is and you know I said to you I'm not going to be writing this year if I get this writer's block thing I will start writing but I'm that when I write that sci-fi book it will be a chugging project it won't be one that I write at the same rate of knots that I usually write a book it will be one that I chug along um, and, I, and I will take the year to write it and I will go back to these write, writer's block sessions and talk to editors and people who know better than I do about it and it will be a slower process if I do that so I will start writing that before Christmas if I get a place on this writer's block thing it's likely to be very competitive so I, I, you know, I probably won't get a place but if I do that's the plan with that book so I will do some writing but it won't be a book it'll be words it'll be the beginnings of that book um, but the ones I, I'm intending to write at speed next year are four thrillers and I'm going to be planning those up to Christmas so four thrillers to plan I also need to edit so many lies uh, which is the 90,000 word crime book that I I wrote before summer. My wife's gone through that. She's uh, really, really enjoyed it. She lo- loved it, you know, the, the tension and everything. Thought it was great. So that's always nice. My wife's always my first reader. Um, my wife doesn't read thrillers. So I, I do like it when she says she likes a thriller. So she's just, you know, just read it. It, it waltz at all. It's full of mistakes. It's, it's straight out of my head onto the page and she reads it. So I always say to her, look, some of those names are going to change. You know, you'll, you'll see I've put notes in there that say, check this, check that. You know, you just have to read it and accept that. Um, it's a first pass. All I want to know is if you spot anything big, change it. Um, and I just want to know, does the story work? You're happy with the story. Um, so we've gone through that, which is great. So I, I will do my edit of that. And, um, I don't know when I'm going to get that edited. Uh, but probably in the new year, probably new year time. Um, controversially, before we go to Spain, I'm going to remove my non-fiction books from sale. So I currently have, I, I did have uh, seven non-fiction books originally. They've gone through all sorts of iterations. The WordPress book I, I renosed and the email marketing book I renosed to make the MailChimp unboxed and WordPress unboxed. Now, WordPress is about to undergo a huge change, this Gutenberg change, in which case my book then becomes completely obsolete. Um, and you've heard me rant before about the hazards of writing nonfiction when you do geeky stuff like I do. So I'm, I'm just going to pull that, but that, that WordPress book will be obsolete. Um, whenever that this Gutenberg change comes. So I'm just going to pull it before we go to Spain. It's just a shame because it sold well, but I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. If I, if I was able to go for this by some sort of fluke of events or whatever, that I was able to go full time and just do writing full time, I would change those books, but I, I can't at the moment. So I'm not going to prioritize my nonfiction. Uh, and the same with the MailChimp book, you know, since I wrote that MailChimp book, 
automations have become free. When I wrote the book, automations were paid, but they've become free. And the and the whole look of MailChimp has now changed. So again, um, I do clearly flag up on the blurbs for those books when the books were written. So they haven't been updated, I don't think, since maybe 2017, 2016. I think it's 2017. Um, so I do make that clear. People still buy them, but I can't really sell them. Um, for much longer so I'm going to take those books so I will not have any non-fiction at all at that point that that author name will have nothing on it for sale because uh, I'm taking the lot down um, so I will just be a sci-fi and thriller writer now um, the problem is about non-fiction is I think I'm quite good at writing non-fiction that's the that's the problem I've said this to you before you know that my non-fiction pretty well gets five and four star reviews um, I don't really have any, unless you get a nutter, you know, <laughs> just to, uh, hard of understanding. You always get the stray one like that. Uh, like this book was upside down uh, or something like that, you know, um, but you can't help that. But for, for people who've read it and used it, they're usually four and five star reviews. Um, so I think I'm, I think I, I'm all right at writing nonfiction, but I'm not writing nonfiction that dates again. Okay. I mean, I have, the positive side of this is experience and I've made, I have made money selling those books. Um, but I'm not doing it again because it's like, you know, WordPress, that book should have been all right for ages with just a few tweaks. They've completely changed the interface. <sighs> you know, I'm not writing that book from scratch again. I don't make enough sales of it to justify that. I make nice sales in it, but not enough sales of it to justify it. And the same with the MailChimp book. You know, it's good income, but it's not enough for me to, 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 to do that. And, and I'm more interested in the, in the thrillers of the sci-fi to be honest with you so that will be when i take those books off sale that will be the end for a period of time of my non-fiction writing now what i need to do is the kind of books that joanna penn writes which are evergreen books and just need a tweak every now and then and i think she rants about her marketing one you know that needs updating all the time because things change so much but i know she's moving towards you know things like the healthy writer. It's like you know a heart attack. A heart attack is a heart attack. So if you get have a heart attack, it's going to be the same now as it is in five years' time. You know it's a heart attack. So, so something like health doesn't change that much. Not when you're writing about health. When you're talk, writing about treating it, it would. Um, but you know I think she's found that frustration with having to update books. And though she though she sells a lot of nonfiction because it's easier to sell. Um, but I, I don't want to come back to nonfiction until I can sort of come up with a fiction format, a nonfiction format that works and is evergreen, um, that maybe needs a light refresh once a year or something like that. Cause I, I don't want to get into that. Um, the other, the other thing that might change that is if I was able to write full time. That's the other thing that might change that policy. But, uh, at Christmas, Teague is, is a nonfiction, uh, writer, uh, a, a non-nonfiction writer. They're coming off sale, those books. Um, so that's it for quarter four goals. And then there's a sort of subsection to this, which is marketing. These are the last marketing jobs that I need to finish. So um, I, I've reduced a lot of this now. I got a lot of this done over summer, but there are still jobs that I need to do. And this is why I'm not writing in this quarter. I want to get these jobs finished, leave myself plenty of time to do them. So um, I want to write, I, I need to write some blog thriller content. I've got really good um, websites with plenty of content on for the Grid Trilogy and the Secret Bunker Trilogy. And I have um, taken loads of photographs and shot videos for my thriller content, but I haven't done anything with it yet. I haven't processed it. So I want to, I've just got kind of landing pages for my thriller content. So I do want to create um, some more, some better uh, uh, 
thriller related uh, blog posts not blog posts but you know in- info posts um showing locations of my books and talking about why i cha- uh, chose those and things like that so i just want to create some better content around my thrillers because i have no content around my thrillers at the moment um and i have got i've got it all sitting on the hard drive i just need to move my button do it so i need to schedule time for that i want to finish learning about amazon ads because i've been blown out of facebook ads and, and i can't advertise on facebook at the moment really bookbub ads and amazon ads are where i'm going to have to advertise um i was talking to john evans uh who very kindly has given me a brilliant little cheat sheet for um amazon ads in the uk so i'm gonna i'm gonna get my head down and really push amazon ads and book ads uh in the next couple of weeks so i need to do um i'm gonna go through dave chesson's course again i need to go through uh mark dawson's amazon ads course too um because i need to be pushing those ads as well I need to review all of my blurbs. This is number three on the list. So the grid, um, so the blurbs that are going in the book blurbs have been reviewed, but I, I need to review all my blurbs across the board just to make sure with what I know now that those are good enough. Um, the, the other thing, this is a little trick I got from 20 books. Um, Michael Andelay does this. Um, he writes personal notes at the end of his books. And when I heard that, I thought, well, I like that. Um, just a little personal note because it helps you kind of get to know the author better and I do want to put these in that these personal notes are just you know why I wrote the book why I chose that location um what certain episodes might be based on just some really personal stuff that helps you to get to know the author so I'd, I'd like to drop these into my book so I've, I've made that one of my marketing things that I want to do and of course with Venom it's really easy to do this I could just write it and just insert it in the books and update the files it just when you're in Venom it just makes all this stuff so much easier to do it's much less disruptive um, I, I, I've got lots of videos that I shot in Scotland in March this year that I need to get up that they were talking about my book, Burden of Guilt and showing lots of the locations, um, that I'd base that. And um, so I need to get those out and get them on YouTube and things like that. So I just need to, to just get this work done. It's just been sitting there for ages. Um, this is a tiny little thing, but I need to get my, I, on, on the self-publishing journeys blog and, and my kind of writer outlets. I just need to make sure I've got draft the digital affiliate links on there and this week um i contacted dave chesson because i use and talk about kdp rocket so much it's a good fit for an affiliate program for me um so i just reached out to dave and said can i become an affiliate have you got some nice graphics for me so i am now an affiliate for kdp rocket so if you buy through me you don't pay anything extra but it helps to support the podcast because i, I get uh, i can't remember how much i get 50 percent of of what it costs you but you don't pay any more it just uh, it's just a way of me um financing the sort of time it takes me to do this podcast. So I thought KDP Rocket was a really good fit because I use it. I mean, I'm hammering it at the moment while I'm doing all this Amazon ads work. So um, I like to only promote things that I use and like. That's my policy for um, affiliate links. So it was a good fit. Um, and Dave knows how to sell stuff properly, which means it'll probably convert. So you'll start to see more KDP Rocket um, graphics popping up on this podcast site. And then finally, again, this relates to me doing author content. Um, I went with my wife to Blackpool. I took loads of pictures uh, that are based on scenes from my, what was the book? Don't Tell Meg. There's there's lots of, I think two of the books in Don't Tell Meg are, are framed around Blackpool. So I've taken loads of photos of uh, in Blackpool to sort of illustrate some of the scenes there. And then um, I've got photos in Scotland of the locations. And also when I was in Benidorm last Christmas, I took loads of photos of the book that became um, Who to Trust. Um, so again, I, I need to get all this content out there. There's not a massive amount in there. Um, but you know, when I, right at the beginning of this, I was telling you about finding my flow. 
um, blog posts are something I have to sit down and, and make myself write. Whereas I find it very easy to sit here and, and yak to yak to you for an hour every week. Um, so I also say the things that get scheduled get done. So I'm scheduling these things that I have friction with things that I, I can't, you know, I'm not, I don't really want to, I, I do want to do them, but they're harder for me to do than sitting here and yakking to you like this. So I've scheduled them. Things that get scheduled are the things that get done. So I'm scheduling them. Those are the last things I need to do to get myself ship shape then to be writing and publishing fast. I've got my, I'm happy then with my author infrastructure. And I've set things, I don't want to bore you with the geeky stuff here, but I've set things up in a way that I can very quickly and dynamically change things as well, um, particularly with the websites and sort of monetizing the website. So um, it was it's work that needed doing, and it makes me happy that I'm doing it now. So those are my uh, quarter four goals. And as I say, um, it is worth just nipping over to selfpublishingjourneys.com because you can just see those um, photographs of my whiteboard. And of course, then on a weekly basis, I turn those jobs into, into sort of tasks on a weekly basis with my weekly planning sheet. I um, recorded, by the way, an interview with John Cronshaw about time management. Uh, I don't know when it's going to run, but if you subscribe to the Stop Booking Around podcast, which is one of John's, uh, one of John's, uh, three podcasts at the moment, I know he's talking about doing four. Um, but uh, you'll get a lot of value from that podcast if you haven't listened to it. Uh, I, I get a lot of value from that podcast um, because, you know, uh, all writers come to this gig with different experience and different, you know, talents and skills. And um, I'm really enjoying listening to, to John's. Get a lot of craft stuff out of John's um, podcast as well. So uh, Stop Booking Around is a podcast and I will pop up on there talking about time management uh, at some point. Okay, we're nearly done this week on social media. I got a great picture from Pip Reed. Uh, Pip was listening to Paul's podcast diary while staring at 100-year-old paintings of Abraham Lincoln and General Lee in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Great pictures there, uh, Pip, of um, of Abraham Lincoln and General Lee. And uh, it looks very posh where you were looking around. My, my podcast's not really posh enough to listen to in, in places like that, in historical places like that. But thank you very much for taking me with you on your travels. I really appreciate that that that's a really really interesting photo so wherever you are right now if you've got your if you're listening on your phone just take a snap of wherever you are it doesn't have to be as posh as pips it's just really nice for me to see where you're listening to this podcast uh, you know whatever you're doing doing the dishes you know cleaning the windows on a nice holiday abroad it's really interesting to see where you're listening to the podcast so right now if you've got your phone take a photo send it over to me at twitter paul teague uk and i'd love to see where you are and i'll give you a shout out on the program Okay, so that is it for this week's show. We have another interview episode coming up on Monday. And this is going to be a take two interview with Lindsay Drew Honey. Now, I spoke to Lindsay. In the, uh, it makes me feel old when I look at how many episodes we've done. But I spoke to Lindsay ages ago in the first 10 of these uh, podcast interviews. And uh, Lindsay, um, she, she's a former a glamour model. Um, she's had a career in porn, actually. And uh, her son is in a... Uh, TV series that I really enjoy. It's called, uh, what's it called? <laughs> I enjoy it so much. I forgot the title. Anyhow, um, it's a great um, UK TV series. The name of which I think, oh, Outnumbered. That's the one. It's Outnumbered. Um, and she's writing books now and she's writing books, you know, like 50 Shades. She writes erotic fiction. She's just released her second erotic fiction book. And I wanted to talk to her about what she's learned as a second time author, but also Lindsay has chosen to self-publish through Matador for a second time. And if there's one name that comes up time and time again, uh, the authors who don't go 100% self-publishing 
Um, a lot of them that I've spoken to have gone through Matador, and I haven't met anybody who's had a bad experience with Matador yet. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's worth us just mentioning this from time to time because this, this lark isn't for everybody. Choosing book covers, editing, doing all the stuff we have to do isn't for everybody. And I know that Matador is a really good kind of in-betweeny option. And I haven't spoken to anybody who said anything negative about them so far, which is why I'm happy to kind of you know continue to talk to Matador authors. And also I've been to their, their gigs. You know, I know them, rate them highly too. So um, Lindsay's going to be talking about erotic fiction and Matador and Lessons Learned as a Second Time Author. So that's going to be episode number 122 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. That will be out on Monday the 8th of October. I will have another diary update for you next Saturday. In the meantime, have a fabulous week of writing. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.